listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of the show here on Monday, April 13th from the South Stands to the end zone. You are Locked On Broncos, and I'm your host, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Locked On NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Broncos, and you can subscribe to the text line at 303-529-6323. And I highly, highly encourage you all to go check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Cody Rourke NFL, we're breaking down plays, we're doing film review on players, we're going back, we're taking a look at series, the latest upload is of Drew Locke's first series on the road against the Houston Texans, so a lot of Broncos content, you get it here every day, Locked On Broncos, and you get it on the YouTube channel, Cody Rourke NFL, appreciate you guys, as always, hope you guys had an amazing Easter weekend with you and your family, but today's episode of the show, we're going to go through our Broncos bits, plus we take a look at a fan poll, and it's the exclusive start of the Locked On NFL Draft Network-wide. You guys are going to hear that all on today's jam-packed episode of the show. So ladies and gentlemen, let's dive right into the nitty-gritty right here on today's Monday. Hopefully you guys are doing okay if you're at work, you're at home. I appreciate you guys. Love you all. Stay safe. So with that said, over the weekend, we found out that the Denver Broncos had interest in pass rusher Alden Smith, who previously played for the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders at the time. Uh, He just signed a one-year deal with the Dallas Cowboys last week. Now, the Denver Broncos were one of the teams that were interested in him, according to Mike Kliss of Nine News Denver. And this is an interesting prospect, to be honest with you, because Alden Smith has not played football since 2015. And now he's getting another chance to come back into the NFL and prove it and kind of just say, like, look, he's gotten his life back on track. Because look, when you take a look back at his career, ladies and gentlemen, as a pass rusher as a defensive player this guy was a monster I mean between him and Von Miller I mean could you imagine if those two were on the same exact team together alongside Bradley Chubb now more than likely a guy like Alden Smith if he didn't sign with the Cowboys and if the Denver Broncos did sign him if he came to Denver he wouldn't be starting at outside linebacker he'd be a rotational guy or he'd be a defensive end player for this Broncos defense but I do think it's interesting that the team had interest in him we talk about high character guys Matt Russell had talked about the NFL scouting combine for the Denver Broncos they want guys that have high character high class and that represent the football team on and off the football field in a very very productive manner. And when you look at Alden Smith, we haven't seen his name in the headlines since 2015 when he was obviously suspended. But I do think that it's really interesting to note that, you know, he's getting another chance in the NFL. So what does that mean for him? You know, I think that there's a comeback story for him and, you know, a guy that's had so many different issues with mental health stuff, legal issues for him to come back and maybe get another opportunity, I think is a great chance. I believe in second, you know, don't get mad at me when I say this, but second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. I believe in chances because look, ladies and gentlemen, not everybody gets it the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time around. And I'm not trying to stand up on a soapbox here, but I do think that, uh, you know, familiarity that Vic Fangio has had with Alden Smith and San Francisco. I mean, Vic was the defensive coordinator from 2011. The 49ers drafted Smith seventh overall in the 2011 NFL draft. So there's familiarity with Vic Fangio towards Alden Smith. And also Smith is a good friend to Von Miller. You know, these are a couple of things that 
could have factored into the Broncos' interest in bringing him in. But, you know, why not Why not root on a guy to have a comeback story? Now, I know that uh, a lot of Broncos fans don't like the Cowboys. Certainly, I'm not a fan of the Cowboys either. I think, uh, you know, that's just another opinion I can give on another day uh, if we ever get to that point. Um, but outside of that, I do think that it's a reclamation project. I think that it's good for the Denver Broncos to maybe give chances to guys. Because look at Von Miller. I mean, in 2013, him and Alden Smith were both in the NFL headlines for off-the-field issues. And Von Miller turned things around. Maybe Von Miller could be that guy, or could have been. I, I can't say could be because it's not going to happen. But maybe Von Miller could have been that guy for Alden Smith that helped him turn things around in his career. Because Von really benefited from that from DeMarcus Ware. And why not? So I, I think that when you look at some of the ties that bind the Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio, Von Miller, and Alden Smith together, it could have made sense as to maybe why. So I'm not sure what really factored into Smith deciding to sign with the Cowboys, maybe more so over the Denver Broncos. That's the thing I'm going to be intrigued to find out about. Uh, but I also think that when you look at the numbers too, Alden Smith threw 59 games of action in his career. He had 47 and a half sacks. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That's a ridiculous productivity from about 2011 all the way up to about 2013. That stretch right there is so ridiculous. He was just such a scary, dominant football player on the football field and a duo or a trio, so to say, of him, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I mean, that could have been scary and the Broncos could have had weapons galore on that defensive side of the ball, which and they'd also have a depth option behind him, which, you know, I think brings me to my next question. If the Broncos had serious interest in bringing in Alden Smith, what does that say? Is that a sign right now that they may be looking for some edge or some defensive end help? I mean, you have options in the NFL draft. I would be very shocked if the Denver Broncos spent a first or a second round pick on an edge rusher or a defensive end. I'd be really perplexed at that, to be honest with you. Uh, But could they be looking at some depth health? I mean, when you look at the Broncos depth chart right now at defensive end, you have Shelby Harris, you have Draymond Jones, you have Demarcus Walker, you have Jarrell Casey. At outside linebacker, you've got Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Jeremiah Atauchu, you got Malik Reed, you've got Justin Holland. So I, at this point, I'm trying to figure out who is the who's the weak link, or is there even a weak link? I mean, these are just questions that, that get brought to my mind when I think about the Broncos' interest in a pass rusher. What was the what was the vibe? Was it just because the Vic Fangio had interest in him because he coached him and he knows him pretty well, can utilize him in whatever way he sees fit, especially for a comeback story, more likely on a one-year prove-it deal? I mean, that's certainly an option there, but I, I do wonder, though, if the Broncos are looking at edge help because, look, Von Miller is entering year 10 in his career. He's been a dominant football player. He even believes that he's got his best football ahead of him. He wants to be a defensive player of the year. He wants to lead the NFL in sacks. He's got these goals, and he wants to win another championship in Denver. And I think that all those options are phenomenal, but you have to wonder, as age gets a little bit closer for Von Miller, even if his productivity doesn't slow down, are you going to be looking at a guy to potentially replace him in the future? Or was that guy meant to be Bradley Chubb? And then you mold whoever's behind Bradley Chubb into that role. I mean, right now, I think all the opportunities out there for the Denver Broncos are endless. And I, I like the Broncos' depth at outside linebacker right now. And, you know, I really like what Malik Reed was able to do coming in as an undrafted guy. We didn't get to see too much of Justin Hollins because I feel like he was learning that jack linebacker role as well as that outside backer role. I mean, he fulfilled, he stepped up late in the season and helped the Broncos out in many ways and one. It didn't show up on the stat sheet, but he helped them out. So there's a lot of prospect ideas about what this Denver Broncos team can do on the outside linebacker position. Do you want to have a security blanket, some in insurance in case, you know, Bradley Chubb is not 110% ready, which I'd be very shocked if that were the case. I'm just trying to figure out, and I'm throwing out options here to the universe. I'm eager to hear what you guys think, Broncos country, and I want you to tweet me at Cody Work NFL. What is it that you think that the that factored into the Broncos' decision to have some interest in Alden Smith? 
And is it a sign that should Broncos fans be worried? I'm going to tell it to you straight from my perspective. I don't believe Broncos fans should be worried. I think that the Broncos envision Bradley Chubb and Von Miller for the next five to six years. I think that's really uh, the focal point about where things are at. That's how long Von Miller wants to play. Von wants to play until he gets to 200 sacks. He wants to be able to break that all-time sack record, which, I mean, he could. And I think that with guys, you know, the, the pieces you surround around him defensively at the defensive tackle position, defensive end, the other outside backer position, you've got guys that are disruptors there. It does create those opportunities for Von Miller to be successful. So I'm excited to see what things can be like for Von Miller in second year in Vic Fangio's defense. And it would have been interesting to factor in what could have been. And look, if the Dallas Cowboys end up not wanting to do the Alden Smith experiment, maybe the Broncos revisit it at some point. I mean, it is a one-year deal and he still has to go into training camp. And if he doesn't make the team, then the Broncos could maybe look at him if they really want to bring in another pass rusher. But I'm really interested to find out the thought process behind what made the interest significant for the Broncos and all in Smith. But ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to take a look at a fan poll that we ran uh, yesterday on Twitter at Career Work NFL. We asked Broncos fans about the NFL draft. If they selected a certain position or player at 15, what emotion would they feel? We're going to read those responses coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to encourage you guys, please get in on the text line if you have not done so already. There are hundreds of Broncos fans that interact with me via text message every single day at 303-529-6323. Add me to your community and you can talk Broncos football with me one-on-one. We are planning a Broncos country war room for the NFL draft on Zoom. We're going to try to get at least 100, 200, 300 people in there. So stay tuned for details. We'll pump that out on the text line. 303-529-6323. You do not want to miss it. All right, getting into our Locked On Broncos fan poll, we went to Twitter and we asked Broncos country, if the Denver Broncos selected a specific player or specific position with the 15th pick in the NFL draft, what emotion would they be? So the the poll outline goes, if the Broncos selected position player with the 15th pick in the NFL draft, I would be, parentheses, happy, disappointed. What is the emotion? And Broncos fans responded because, the you know, at 15, the opportunities are endless. You're mixed. You got a lot of people that want to go offensive line. You want a lot of people people to go wide receiver. You want people that want to go linebacker. So let's see what the outliers are. We're going to start with my man, Zach Gottlieb. He says, uh, I would be for the Denver Broncos if they selected Justin Jefferson with the 15th pick in the NFL draft. I would be disappointed. And Zach, I'm eager to hear a little bit more from you, my friend. I can see why you'd be disappointed. Maybe I, I think that uh, Justin Jefferson will be around in round number two. So I can see why you might not want to spend a first round pick on him. I do think that it would be worth looking into Justin Jefferson. If the Broncos go another position or if the top three wide receivers are gone in this year's NFL draft, I wouldn't be shocked if they looked at Justin Jefferson in round two. I'd be okay with a round two pick of Justin Jefferson, just not necessarily a first round pick. Look, what he does on third down, what he does in the red zone. That is something that the Denver Broncos need. He doesn't have the flashy burner speed that guys like CeeDee Lamb or you know even a Jerry Judy or even a Henry Ruggs III have, but he is dynamic. He's a good route runner, and I think that in those opportunities in the red zone, I mean, he does remind me player player likeness, not necessarily size or attributes, but player style. He reminds me of Deshaun Hamilton. So I could see maybe the hesitation there, Zach, about maybe going with the Justin Jefferson in round number one. I certainly wouldn't be very happy with that being the selection for your first round pick. I just think that it's it's very risky, especially if Denzel Mims is still available and on the board. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I would definitely take Denzel Mims over Justin Jefferson. So thank you, Zach, for your tweet. Our next tweet comes in from Tylen Lampkin. It says, if the Denver Broncos 
selected C.J. Henderson with the 15th pick in the NFL draft, I would be happy. And certainly, this is one that we've been debating on, I think, all across Broncos country when it comes to C.J. Henderson. You cannot deny that his coverage ability is top tier. He's very elite in the coverage category. Uh, but the issue, I think, that a lot of Broncos fans have, and looking when we reference what Vic Fangio wants in DBs, he doesn't want DBs that don't want to tackle, then certainly you look at the film. I, I think early in C.J. Henderson's career, he would tackle guys. But in the, the most recent part of his film from his recent college season is he does not want to get involved in the run game. He doesn't want to get as dirty as other guys did on his defense. And, and the hesitation to tackle has a lot of people very skeptical. So if you're an NFL team, you're looking for a guy who can really cover, then that's great. The Broncos need to find a coverage element. But, you know, here's the deal, too. I also will err on the side of optimism here because tackling, it can be coached. The want, the desire to is going to have to come from the player, but a coach can motivate a player to learn how to tackle and to want to tackle. It's just all about finding the right niche for that type of player, and you got to find a way to get involved. It's not like it's a skill that can't be taught because, look, NFL defenses, they have to go over tackling every single day. Technique, technique, technique. Ed Donatel is a technician as a coach. He's a phenomenal teacher. And I'll post a video on Twitter of when I was at Broncos camp, just what he's teaching these DBs in terms of tackling, keeping their head up. Technique, technique, technique. You hear that a lot. And I think that C.J. Henderson could easily learn that. So he could be a guy that the Broncos look at. I mean, I think it would be a shocker. I think everybody would be shocked if C.J. Henderson went to the Denver Broncos at pick 15. I know a lot of people are thinking about the Falcons at 16 and C.J. Henderson. So um, who knows? Who knows? But Tylen, that's very interesting uh, to, to your point, my friend. I appreciate you. Our next one comes from Cole Thompson. He says he'd be happy if not Ruggs and staying at 15, he would go with a guy like C.J. Henderson or Patrick Queen out of LSU. He says if the Broncos at 15 picked Justin Jefferson or a Denzel Mims, he would be disappointed. I would be happy though, Cole, to be honest with you. I'd be very happy with Denzel Mims at 15 because there is a significant chance that he is gone in round number one unless the Denver Broncos want to trade back into round one to be able to take him. Uh, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's going to go in the top 15, but if the Broncos is anticipated he might be gone in 2025. They may have to look to get another pick into the first round. They may have to offset their second rounder and a third rounder to maybe move back up into round one to be able to get him if they did want him. But look, if it's Henry Ruggs, I'm happy. Um, CJ Henderson, I'm starting to warm myself up to the idea of it, just knowing the coaching staff that the Broncos have. And in Patrick Queen, I don't know if I want to spend a first round pick on an inside linebacker, especially when I feel like you can get a very good guy in Troy Dye in round number three, maybe even round two too, if you really want to. I think he's a special, special player that Vic Fangio would really love in his defense. And then the next one we got here is from Stephen Curtis. He says, I would be happy if Lamb, Ruggs, Rager, Jerry Judy, Denzel Mims, Tristan Wirfs, Javon Kinlaw, if any of those guys are selection at 15, I'm okay with it. He says, I would be disappointed if it's C.J. Henderson, or any linebacker, McKinney, or even Grant Delpit out of LSU. That's very interesting for sure. Very interesting, Stephen. Appreciate your reply there. And then we've got Will Barton, union leader. He says, me along with 95% of Broncos country would be ecstatic if the Denver Broncos would pick 15 selected Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, or C.D. Lamb. Mitchell Carroll would be very, very hyped, he says, if the Broncos selected Patrick Queen at pick 15. And then we got Criesto TB says, Jerry Judy, Ruggs or Lamb, celebrating. Okay, these are, we're getting really 
delicate here, ladies and gentlemen. I like it. Carl White then says, I would be delighted if the Broncos selected Jerry Judy at pick number 15. Juice Mayer says, Jerry Judy, he'd be ecstatic. So we got ecstatic. We got delighted. We got celebration. We got a lot of good responses here. Zach Huck says, excited with one of the magnificent seven, three wide receiver or four offensive linemen would be disappointed with any defensive pick outside of Kinlaw, Simmons, Brown, or Akuda. Okay, that's interesting. Zach, appreciate you. My man Jeff Green, he says he would be happy with wide receiver or cornerback disappointing if there's any other position besides those two. I can certainly understand that. That's where I'm leaning, Jeff. If the Broncos go wide receiver or cornerback, I'm happy. And this year's NFL draft with pick number 15, I would really be disappointed if it was an offensive lineman, to be honest with you. And then our next one, Polish Filipino. He says, offensive lineman Andrew Thomas, he might be okay, but I'm not a huge fan of drafting a tackle at 15 if he might not even start his rookie year. Chris Lance is up next. He says, Javon Kinlaw, CJ Henderson, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Jeff Okuda, Isaiah Simmons at 15. I would be ecstatic with any of those. And then we've got Aaron Moye. He says, CeeDee Lamb or LaVisca Chenault. He would feel awesome if the Broncos did that with their first round pick. Brandon Bennett gets to the point here. He says, would be happy if we got one of the big three wide receivers at 15 but would be a little disappointed if we traded up for any of them, especially Ruggs. Interesting, Brandon. So the concept, if the Broncos can select any of the big three wide receivers, if they're available at 15, he'd be happy, but would be disappointed if you traded up for them. Brandon, I'm really eager to hear why, man. So send me a reply tweet, send me a DM, go a little bit deeper as to why you'd be disappointed if the Broncos would have to trade up for any of those guys. My boy, Lon Carlou, he says, any of the big three wide receivers or big four offensive linemen, I'd throw up if we reach for a wide receiver or took Kinlaw. I don't know Lou, I think I disagree with you there. If the Broncos were, you know, if those wide receiver prospects you mentioned are gone, the top three wide receivers, if Javon Kinlaw was available at 15 and the Broncos took him, I'd be happy because look, that's security blanket for your defense for many years to come. You got Jarrell Casey who's entering his 10th year in the National Football League. He's 30. He's had a lot of experience. He's great, but you got to be able to think ahead. You got to be able to plan for when he decides to hang it up one day. I mean, it's certainly, it could be possible at any point in time, considering the fact he's been in the league for so long, you never know what the window is for a guy that is in his 30s or that has been playing for 10 plus years the way that he has. So I I, I tend to disagree with you on Kinlaw, but Definitely, Lou. I appreciate you, my friend. And Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, you guys get to hear the first part of our Locked On NFL Mock Draft network-wide, 32 local experts breaking it down for their teams in draft fashion. You don't want to miss the twists, the turns, the trades, the excitement. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, i got to remind you guys to subscribe to the Locked On Broncos podcast on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and you can follow the show now on Spotify. So if you aren't locked in, if you're not subscribed, you need to be locked in and subscribe to Lockdown Broncos podcast today. All right, Broncos country, we have a very special treat for you on today's podcast. We're going to play the first portion of the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Now, this is a project that is in culmination of every host here on the Locked On Podcast Network's NFL channel and many of the hosts of the College Channel. It also includes insights from the Draft Network, from the hosts of Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes. Now, this mock draft isn't a predictive draft. The hosts aren't selecting who they think the teams will pick come April 23rd. Instead, they are picking who they want their team to select on draft day. So there will be trades. There will be surprises. And our college host provided player profiles of all of the players selected in the mock draft. And all 32 NFL teams are featured. Even the teams without a first round selection. The mock draft special started on Friday, April 10th and is airing all the way through Friday, 
April 17th, all this week. So be sure to subscribe to Locked On NFL on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss a single episode of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Experience. And if you do, just go back into the archive. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground... I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. I'm going to be drafting number one. Maybe. To their high school. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go, To the university. We have 95 players here. So accomplished as athletes in high school. We gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. Now, their lives are about to change forever become your mom's favorite player this is locked on nfl and this is the locked on podcast network mock draft welcome to the 2020 locked on nfl mock draft special brian peacock here alongside Former NFL scout Matt Williamson, we will take you through the first round plus in a network-wide mock draft. All 32 teams represented, even those without first-round picks. Hosts making picks for the teams they cover, our friends from the college side of the network with profiles on each one of these prospects that get selected in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, why they are considered worthy of first-round selections, and analysis from my co-host, Matt Williamson, as well as draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, and the Locked On NFL Draft crew, Trevor Sykema and Ben Solak. If you're listening to this kickoff episode on a team-specific podcast, you can follow along all week, every pick, throughout round one On the Locked On NFL channel, teams are talking trades, so you may not know exactly where your team ends up selecting. We'll conclude this draft next Friday, checking in with those teams in round two who didn't select in the opening stanza, some of which might jump into round one before it's all finished, and recapping everything that went down all week long. Matt, I'm pumped. Are you ready to do this thing? I'm very ready to do this thing. This is a very cool event. I think people will enjoy it. We've had so many new subscribers since last year that didn't get to enjoy it. So you're in for a treat. You're in for a wild ride and a really well put together whole situation here starting right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of the most popular. It was the most popular show on the NFL side of the network last year. And I expect it to be even bigger and better and the way things are right now in the world and wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you are well and I hope this is something fun for you to listen to all week long. Matt, as the Cincinnati Bengals go on the clock with the opening selection in the Locked On NFL mock draft, you've been through this. What are teams doing in preparation the final days and minutes leading up to the first pick for those specific teams? Well, this year, who the heck knows? I mean, (laughs) I'm sure that there's things like, you know, the the electronics or the the IT people are coming to everyone's homes to make sure everything works, checking, double checking, doing all that kind of stuff. We mentioned before, you know, maybe you can run mock drafts in terms of let's try to just do a a whole walkthrough, basically, of how this thing's going to work. If we're going to make a trade, who's in charge of calling this team, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, in olden in the olden days and the not 2020 draft, most of the hay is in the barn really a day or two before the draft. I mean, you might be calling agents of your favorite people to make sure that 
prospects didn't fall down the stairs or that knee that you're worried about isn't flaring <laughs> up. But for the most part, things should be done a couple days before the draft. Let's check in with some of our analysts here on the network. We have a pair of NFL draft shows, draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes podcast. And let me just tell you, as a couple of draft dudes, we are really excited for this Locked On Podcast Network draft simulation where each host is going to make the picks for their team. And uh, I know it's not the real thing, but it's pretty damn close. And this draft promises to be very exciting with all the dynamics between the teams with multiple first round picks and all the quarterbacks. So, Kyle, uh, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, the big mystery here is from the quarterback perspective, how many can we get to go early? And then the other fascinating subplot is when does the offensive tackle run start and how fast does it go? Because there's generally considered to be four top offensive tackles. There's generally considered to be three top quarterbacks, maybe a fourth with Jordan Love if he sneaks in there remains to be seen. And the order of all seven of those players who are feasibly top 12 talents coming off the board is going to be a really interesting scenario to see how it actually plays out here. I think just as interesting as the offensive tackle discussion is the wide receiver. Everybody knows this is a really deep and talented crop of receivers, but there's really exciting guys at the top of the board. You know, could we see six, seven, eight guys go off the board in the first round? When does that run start? And uh, who are those late first round guys that uh, teams that, you know, like the Packers or or like the Saints and Eagles and, and Vikings? Who do they get if they are a, a left kind of picking the later half of those top tier pro- prospects? So uh, offensive tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, the NFL is a passing league. And you can tell that this um, this draft is going to really help these offenses be more dynamic. Yeah, it's a deep class, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see players that in a typical class are probably off the board by 20. They might be lingering here in the late first round, early second round. So lots to look forward to, lots to get into. Looking forward to see how these teams start their drafts. Hey, everybody, Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here with you. Excited to go on this journey of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so many things that could happen in this mock draft. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, it's always nice when you're able to get 32 guys, each of whom knows their team as well as the host in the Locked On Podcast Network do, and they can control for their pick. And then you have the freedom for things like trade negotiations as the pick comes off the board. You have the ability for surprises as each individual analyst focuses on their guys. I think, number one, we're not. it's not going to be a typical mock. It's not going to be like what we no, see definitely when not. only one person controls all 32 teams. There's going to be a lot more aggressive moves, so I expect to see big trade-ups. I expect to see surprising picks. Yep. And that's that's the reality with these. When you're controlling just that one team, you go and get your guy. That's what we see in the league. I guess that's what we'll be seeing in this mock as well. I'm really interested to see how the offensive tackles go here in the first round because it's just the possibilities are endless. We saw that in our guest mock draft series that we're doing on our podcast. But, I mean, what other positions are, are big ones? Quarterback, wide receiver, probably, right? Well, I think, yeah, I think that when you're making these sorts of picks and it's it's catered to your audience for your podcast, you're tempted sometimes to go for those sexier positions. And the sexy position in this draft is undoubtedly wide receiver. So to me, I'm really interested to see. We know the big three will come off the board and Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs. 
who's wide receiver four, who's wide receiver five, and just how many can we fit in this first round? Ooh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are going to be back with you recapping a lot of these picks throughout the mock draft. I'm very excited, so let's get it started. Okay, Matt, we're here. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Is there any doubt what the Bengals should do here? They earned the right through their poor play in the 2019 season to be drafting number one overall on everybody's list. It seems to be the same name, the same prospect that should go first overall. If their phone is ringing, should they even be answering it? Or do they know who the pick will be with the first overall selection in this draft? I mean, you answer it, and if someone offers you a godfather-like offer, you consider it, and you still might not even say yes. I mean, I think Burrow is the super prospect. He would go first in almost every draft, you know, nine out of ten years. That's a gift, and the Bengals need it. He's an Ohio guy. They need to sell tickets. They need to sell jerseys. The offense that he falls into isn't in that bad a shape as first overall selections go. So I think it's kind of too good to be true. All right. With that, this draft is underway. Let's go to the hosts of Locked on Bengals and get the pick for Cincinnati. Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. The first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals easily and without second thought select Joe Burrow. In fact, Joe, we received no calls in the war room for the number one pick. I guess everyone just knows not to ask. And I don't think we would have considered any offers anyway. So we make this pick. This pick has really been made since maybe be late December when the Bengals lost to the Miami Dolphins in week 16 of the regular season and clinched their first overall pick. Joe Burrow went on a tear in the playoffs after that and the Bengals will finally get a franchise quarterback. First time they've drafted number one since 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer out of USC. They're in that position again. The roster has been turned over on the defensive side through free agency and I think they're looking at this squarely of saying our Super Bowl window opens again if we draft Joe Burrow number one in 2020. That's right. The Bengals don't just spend money to spend money. This is a strategic injection of funds into the defense to make themselves competitive while they have Joe Burrow on his rookie deal for five years. He's, of course, expected to come in and be a day one starter in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is still on the roster, but will not be on the roster by the time training camp comes around. He might not even be on the roster by the time the draft is finished. We are looking openly to trade Andy Dalton for whatever assets we can recover. And if that doesn't work out, he'll be cut before Joe Burrow shows up for rookie camp or for the first offseason activity that we're allowed to hold with these rookies this summer. Joe, how much better does Joe Burrow make this team? Well, the quarterback is the most important position. And I think we're looking at a guy coming off a historic college football season that many have said is the best passing performance throughout a whole season in the history of college football. What does he do better than Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton has been the Mendoza line for starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time. And I feel like all of the skills you look for typically when you look at college quarterbacks, usually they are the big guys with the strong arms going near the top. And you say, can they function in the pocket? Do they have accuracy? How's their IQ? How's their processing? Uh, How do they do off script? All the questions you normally go into tape asking 
with Joe Burrow, those are all the answers you have with him based on tape and based on what he showed this past year. All of those things are not in question. He has them in spades. It's the arm strength, right? That's the only area you really question. And I would say it's very similar to Andy Dalton. So it should be an upgrade in almost every area of quarterbacking other than that. And that's okay because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 20, 25 years, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, they all had those other features in their game without having a cannon for an arm. Simply put, Joe Burrow is the most influential recruit in LSU football history. In leading the Tigers to the 2019 National Championship, Burrow was fantastic, shattering school records and setting national marks that may not be touched. 5,671 yards and 60 touchdown passes for Burrow while completing 76% of his passes. His arm strength won't wow you, but Joe Burrow makes up for it everywhere else. His decision-making is elite. Just six interceptions on the 2019 season. He's the son of a coach and a film room junkie. There's a story about LSU beating Alabama, getting back to Tus- from Tuscaloosa to Baton Rouge, and when Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, got to LSU football ops that night to go get the cut-ups of the film, Burrow had already beaten him there. Burrow has very underrated athleticism. Not only was he a high school quarterback, he was also a high school basketball player. And his ability to move the chains with his feet is something that many have overlooked throughout this process. Burrow is a fierce competitor whose teammates love him, who rises in the biggest moments. Should Joe Burrow stay healthy, he will have a long, prosperous NFL career as a franchise quarterback. This is Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU, your source for LSU and SEC content every day. All right, Matt, there's the pick. Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. I think maybe if you're nitpicking, you can find some knocks here and there about arm strength, which in some cases is completely overrated. And uh, I, I like what was said by many smart NFL people in the past that the quarterback position isn't so much played with your arm once you get to the NFL level it's played from the neck up and I think that's where Joe Burrow really shines yeah absolutely and he he is a good athlete he has a remarkable head and poise and confidence for the game processing accuracy he does not have a power arm and that worries me a little bit considering the area of the country he's going to when it's sleeting and windy and you know in the nfc north and late in the year we'll see how he deals with that but that by no means would slow me down from making such a pick he's a tremendous prospect More Locked On NFL Draft special coming up. The Washington Redskins are now on the clock with the second selection. So be sure, ladies and gentlemen, to check out Locked On NFL all week long. Episode one featured picks one through six. Episode two, which airs today, features picks seven through 13. And on tomorrow's show, guess what? The Denver Broncos will be on the clock. So Locked On NFL Network. We'll be talking about the Broncos. We'll be talking about all the action and recapping how the Locked On NFL draft went down. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Go listen to Locked On NFL now. We'll see you tomorrow.